Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Hit the pace car! What for? Because you hit every other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. He talks to me. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you. And rubbing son is racing. Evening race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to the Drafting the Circuits Radio Program. My name is Frank Santoroski, I'll be your host for the next hour as we break down this uh, past weekend in racing and uh, what a weekend it was. Uh, before we get into that, let me introduce you to the panel. Uh, with me as always, Mr. Gray Warren from Richard Childress Racing, Richard Uden from Rouge Engineering, and Seth Eggert from Motorsports Tribune. Gentlemen, how is everybody tonight? Doing good. Great. Yeah, very good. Thank you. All right. Great to have you here. Love talking to you guys. Uh, That's the highlight of my week, like I like to say. Uh, But uh, so NASCAR Ford Championship weekend uh, down there in in Miami at Homestead, we crowned three champions. Uh, Brett Moffitt, Tyler Reddick, and Joey Logano can all call themselves NASCAR champions now. Um, You know, uh, some of these were upset wins. Uh, Joey Logano was certainly... Uh, what you might call an upset win. You had the big three, you know, Kyle, Kevin, and and Martin. Um, the guys, you know, combined to win the most races this year. Uh, Joey Logano going in there, uh, had, a, had a good run. You know, you could say he stole the thing or he won the thing fair and square. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, Joey Logano is an NASCAR champion. He's 10 years in the making. Uh, here's a kid that was uh, – uh, you know, thrust into the spotlight at a at a young age. You know, he, he was replacing Tony Stewart um, at Joe Gibbs Racing as a rookie, which are big shoes to fill. And you know, this is a culmination of a, of a long process and a and a really great career he's had so far. And he's got many good years ahead of him. Uh, now, there there are folks that are unhappy with the chase format. You know, and the fact that the you know air quotes underdog won, but uh, you know NASCAR wanted this playoff system to mirror stick and ball sports, you know, where it comes down to the championship game, you know, whether it be the you know last game of the final four or the Super Bowl, you know, instead it's for championship weekend. And, you know, just like, you know, the 1983 uh, North Carolina Wolfpack or the 2007 New York Giants, you know, they, they Joey Logano pulled off an up, upset in the big game, uh, which makes him a champion and a, leg, uh, and a legitimate champion of that. So uh, now, Gray, you paid close attention to the race here, and you've, you've watched Joey Logano drive and mature. So what are some of your thoughts um, on Joey Logano, uh, you know, reaching this moment in his career? And, and, and let's talk about how he got it done, too. Well, you know, Joey Logano is 28 years old, and, 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 and he's a veteran. Uh, he's been at this a long time now. Um uh, he was kind of thrust into the spotlight, you know, and we, we, we talk about this, you know, seems like every week with these young, young drivers that we have now, uh, is it too early for them to move up the cup? You know, we always ask that question and we debate that, um, you know, we've debated it with, uh, you know, Suarez and, and Eric Jones and some of the other guys coming up and then, and then this current crop of, of uh, guys coming up in the, uh, in the Xfinity ranks now. Joey Logano was in that position, you know, when he moved up. And a lot of people thought that, you know, maybe uh, he got brought up a little bit too fast. He was thrown thrown in the fire a little bit too quick. 
And, you know, of course, there's, there's always two sides to every story. Some guys feel feel that, yes, yeah, sometimes guys could, 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 could use an extra year of seasoning in the Xfinity series. But then there's another school of thought that, that says throw them right in the fire and let, you know, sink or swim, let them learn on the fly. And Joey Logano was one of those that, that kind of learned on the fly. And, uh, and it was rough sledding over at Joe Gibbs. Uh, some, he, uh, he was, he, he wasn't, uh, spectacular. He, you know, he got some wins, but, uh, just, uh, you know, I think, uh, was, was put in that situation and he had to learn and, but, you know, he, he did learn, he did, he did gain that experience. And, uh, when he was, uh, released at, um, at, uh, Joe Gibbs, um, he found a home at, uh, Penske and, uh, he's done well there. He's, he's claimed a championship. He's uh, been a, been a championship runner up. He's a Daytona 500 champion. So yeah, his, 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 uh, his career's on the rise, and 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 we we forget that he's he's been around so long. We forget he's just 28 years old. Remarkable, and I think he's coming into his own, and he's going to be part of that crop. Uh, you know, he's he's closer in age to to the uh, Ryan Blaney's and and the uh, Chase Elliotts and the uh, Kyle Larsons. So he's going to be part of that group that's going to carry the sport uh, forward. Yeah. And on top of that, his championship, it's just the ninth uh, driver's championship for Ford, which that stat alone is kind of mind-boggling with uh, how many years Ford has been in the sport. Uh, the only other drivers that he's joining, and it's a list of either Hall of Famers or future Hall of Famers, Ned Jarrett, David Pearson, Bill Elliott, Alan Kowicki, Dale Jarrett, and then you have Kenseth and Kurt Busch. The last time Ford won a manufacturer's title, was 2002 they won the manufacturer's title for the first time in 16 years and it's the first time they won both the driver's championship and the owner's title since 1999 yeah and i tell you too and, and part of that too you can look back over that history ford's been outnumbered in teams uh during a lot of those years uh you know mo- there was there was far more chevrolets in the starting field than there was other makes and obviously, you know, there's strength in numbers, and that's that's kind of how uh, it's had, how that kind of went down. The tables have been turned a little bit with Ford's current resurgence in that, you know, they picked up stupid powerhouse team like Stuart Haas. Now they have Penske. And, of course, most of the win, you know, just, you know, all their wins have come from basically that. And you still have the Roush, uh, the Roush teams involved in it too. But picking up a powerhouse team like Stuart Haas, Really, really raised the bar, and uh, and, and has helped Ford uh, overcome that deficit. So yeah, hat, you know that's uh, that's a big thing they wanted to do. I know um, I'd spoken with Doug Yates a while back, and uh, you know that was one thing that they were really, really, you know, that was a, one of the focal points of, of the Ford teams this year was to was to capture that manufacturer's championship. And they've won 19 races combined between Stuart Haas Racing, Team Penske, and uh, Stuart Haas alone won 12 races, one-third right. of the season. Right. That's true. That's true. Uh, Kevin Harvick with eight. Uh, I think you had uh, with uh, Alma Roller and Kurt Busch with one apiece. And Boyer and had, with two. And Boyer, Boyer with two. That's correct. And then you had... Um, you know that's 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 pretty strong, and then you had Penske, uh, Penske with uh, what uh, six, seven, uh, seven. Let's see, Keselowski right. with three, Kesel- Keselowski with three, and Logano with three, and Blaney with one at the Roval, and Blaney with one. Yeah, I forgot Blaney. That is correct. Blaney got the Roval at Charlotte. So yeah, so uh, you know, strong showing from Ford this year. I, you know, and of course there goes your conspiracy. All you have, all your crazy conspiracy theories that. You know, they all, the people, you know, thought that, that NASCAR was in cahoots with Toyota and they were in cahoots with Chevrolet and whatnot. But, yeah, it, it just goes to show you that the pendulum swings in our sport. And uh, right now Ford's holding the uh, the upper hand because I think they have the, the stronger teams. And uh, right now, you know, the, uh, and that helps. That helps a lot. When you've got that driver lineup that they've got, uh, it's 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 hard to beat. And plus, with the performance that the uh, that uh, they're being able to turn out with uh, uh, Roush Yates engines, 
you know, and the uh, and the uh, chassis that are that are coming out of uh, Penske and Stuart Haas. And speaking yeah. of uh, just speaking of that real quick, uh, this is the first year that all four of the championship four drivers finished one, two, three, four. And just the sheer speed Logano had, especially at the end of the race, uh, the way he threw it into the corner to pass Truex, uh, Team Penske really found something. And it's going to be interesting to see if they're able to hold on to it as they switch from the Fusion to the Mustang next year. Yeah, they did. Yeah. They, they did. They did gain strength as the latter part of the year. You know, uh, uh, Keselowski got hot there right just before the uh, regular season ended, and, and and got three wins in a row. And uh, and then, of course, uh, you had Logano picked up. You know, Logano picked up a win at uh, Talladega earlier in the year, and then, and then uh, you know had that controversial. Uh, race at at Martinsville that kind of set him up uh, for the for his run to the championship and got them in position to uh, to transfer and, and, and you know uh, kind of be set before the other before the rest of the field was set to to go to Miami. Yeah, and let's just I mean let's just mention for a second just the fabulous year that the Pansky organization has had. I mean I mean if you look over this past year. They had uh, Will Power swept the uh, month of May with the Indy Grand Prix and then taking the Indy 500. Um, you know, Brad Keselowski won the Brickyard 400 and the Southern and the, and the Southern 500. And then Joey Logano uh, brings the title home for the team. And somewhere in the mix there, they picked up their 500th um, overall win as an organization. So uh, you can't, you just can't say enough about the Pensy organization and how well prepared they are and how they they show up yeah. to win 33 cha- 33 championships uh uh worldwide and uh they're going for 34th this weekend with the australian supercars so uh you know they they could uh, could could finish the year off with a bang down under and they're leading that championship by i believe 14 points right now yeah so it uh, could be a, a tremendous year for uh for Team Penske, but you know we, we all we all talk about Roger and, and his organization, and it's you know you know how strong they are, the depth they have, and just you know just basically class personified, just a class act, well run organization. You can't uh, you know uh, just uh, professional in every way, and and hats off to Penske. They uh, they did a, did a great job in uh, in winning that championship. They certainly did. So let's let's talk about how the race went down a little bit, guys. So there were because it was it was back and forth for a while. You know, Truex looked to uh, looked to have it won for a while. Uh, Harvick was strong at times. Kyle Busch led a number of times. Um, uh, you know, Joey was strong on and off all day, particularly on the short run. So uh, so uh, one of you gentlemen would like to go ahead and just break well, down break down the race. It came down. I mean, you had your you had your top four cars running in or near the top five all day long. Um, Harvick uh, turned out, to, it looked like Harvick, and this is in daylight before the before the, before the twilight came on, Harvick definitely had the best car uh, at times. He, he, he won the first stage. Uh, and then, uh, then along comes uh, Larson. And Larson, you know, he was one of the guys that everybody had pegged that, you know, was the one outside the top uh the, the the championship four that could win the race and he you made that high line work for him and he ended up went taking uh beating uh Kevin Harvick to the line and winning the second stage and at times looked like he could drive away from the field. But uh different strategies for different cars. Harvick Harvick's car would uh, would come to life uh after uh about uh seven or eight laps uh, on new tires and then he could assert himself Joey Logano's uh, car was good all night on the get-go, and he could run about, uh, he could really hold off everybody for about 25 laps. 20 to 25 laps, he had the strongest car. Uh, Truex had a, uh, had a late-run car. His car would come in uh, when the other cars would come back to him, and he could assert his car. Kyle Busch's uh, car was 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 kind of off the pace all night. He didn't lead... Uh, I think he did lead a section, uh, a portion there at one time uh, during uh, some when some guys were short pitting and whatnot. He stayed on the track as long as he could. In fact, he benefited from that 
from that late caution, he stayed on the track and led about 20, oh, 21 or some laps during that during that portion. But that was the only strategy they had. They had to try to make that work because uh, they had fallen too far behind the leaders to uh, to make uh, coming in and, and getting new tires work uh, before everybody else. So um, they kind of had to play their strategy, their hand. They kind of had to play the hand they were dealt, and that was staying out. And then, of course, uh, the caution, the late caution came out when the 19 and the 2 got together and kind of reset the field. And, of course, the 18 has a really good pit stop and comes up, uh, comes out with the lead. But uh, Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Obviously, he couldn't hold it. Uh, he, he faded back to about fifth fifth spot. Um, I forgot to tell you, in the middle there, sometime, you know, Larson had his trouble getting into the wall and cutting down a right rear tire, and it sort of ended his night and then kind of left it up to the championship four to decide it. Uh, Truex had positioned himself in second place, uh, but it just, uh, with the way the last caution fell and the uh, on the restart, you kind of looked at Joey Logano uh, as a, how the race had gone all night long, he could fire off uh, on the short run, and you knew he could he could hold that speed for about 20 laps, and there was about 15 laps to go uh, for, for the end. Uh, right after the restart, he drove it down into turn one and blew past uh, Truex and, and was able to drive away and win the championship. Yeah, his car was incredibly strong on on that restart there. Yeah, so yeah, new tires. He was like that all night long. He had all night he, long. Yep. Now, now Richard, tires. Richard, you're being quiet over there. So I like uh, <laughs> I, I like you to chime in a little bit on here. I know you've uh, you worked in NASCAR for a time, mm-hmm. and um, so uh, I mean, what are your thoughts on uh, Joey Logano and his championship and the chase format overall? I mean, you've got to give the guy credit. You know, he he's gone in there and. You know, pretty much, I mean, we were, to a certain extent, uh, guilty of it a little bit ourselves on this show last week. You know, nobody really gave him a chance, uh, apart from, uh, I think, Seth, you picked... Uh, you yes, picked I Joe, did. You? Well, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there goes my theory. But no, in general, it was, you know, what was the phrase? The big three and me sort of thing. And, uh, you know, fair play to the guy. He's gone about his business away from all the limelight, away from all the drama. Um, you know, there was the whole thing about him moving Truex at, um, uh, excuse me, Martinsville. But hey, if he hadn't done that, in a way, that was the move that won in the championship. Uh, more so, you know, because he, you know, had a very capable car. And to a certain extent, when you, you know, when when you decide on your setup for a race, especially in in the Cup Series, you know, you you, you look at it and you say, well, you know, do we go for a um, you know, a short run car, or do we go for a long run car? Very rarely do you have a car that is is, is dominant in both scenarios. And you know, you know, the Furniture Road guys and Truex, they went for a long run car. And I'm sure that uh, you know the guys at Penske said, "Well, hey, look, let's let's take a gamble." They probably knew they weren't fastest on outright pace, so let's take a gamble. There's going to be a caution in the last 20, 25 laps or so. Um, we're you know, we, we're just going to we're going to throw that dice. You know, we've got to try and get there. If we can be in a position, you know, in the top five with 25 and there's a caution with 25 to go, it's, you know, it's theirs to win. So, and, and that's exactly what happened. So, you know, you've got to give them a huge amount of credit for that. And, uh, you know, congratulations to them. And just real quick, uh, this is a fifth year of this format, the elimination playoff format. We have not had a repeat winner in this specific format. Yes, Jimmy Johnson won a seventh title, but that was his first championship in this playoff format with the eliminations. So for people who weren't giving him credit, this format seems more conducive to first-time champions, regardless if there's already a champion in uh, the Final Four. Mm-hmm. Yep, I yes, mean, it has, yep. Is it... Uh, 
yeah, I mean, because at the end of the day, you can only get going into the final race four possible winners. So I guess that takes out the other 36 guys in the field, doesn't it? So uh, you, you are limiting the number of chances of a repeat winner. But, uh, you know, I, I think it just comes back down to execution on the night, doesn't it? I mean, uh, you know, they've got to go for it, haven't they, really? And that's exactly what they did. Yeah, and again, you know, back to, you know, talking about the format, you know, the upset victories are what, you know, sports uh, lore is all about. You know, it's like people yeah. talk about the upset victories for years, years longer than they than they'll talk about. Oh, Lewis Hamilton winning his, you know, title, uh, you know, in clinching with uh, with with, uh, you know, a couple races yet to go. So, you know, I think NASCAR has made some good steps for this. A lot of folks. Don't like it. I'm not sure that they're they're bringing on board new fans with it, but but I applaud them for um, sticking with it and giving it a try. I myself enjoy it. I, you know, it took me a while to warm up to it, but I enjoy the format. How about you, Gray? You've you've been watching. Um, I mean, do you prefer straight up points racing, or are you a little more sold on the new format this day and age? You know, I'm a, I'm a purist to a point. I like the old uh, accumulative uh, setup where you where you crowned your champion i just think this you know there's so many things that can go wrong you know that, that can happen you get uh you can have a guy that can dominate the entire season and and win the lion's share races and 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 get knocked out on a technicality in 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 one race in one of these segments and not get uh you know and and and, and not uh, realize the championship but like you said in in the in the uh in the opening it's uh, NASCAR wanted to kind of bring our sport in into more line with with the stick and ball sports and have a have a playoff structure to create interest. And they did this because you know, in, in under the old way, uh, sometimes the championship could be decided uh, two races prior to the to the final race. Some years it still went down to the final race, but but you never knew how it was going to come. This ensures that this format ensures that that it will come down to a final race. And uh, I think, you know, um, NASCAR changed uh, and I'll give them credit for this. Uh, they could have they could have left it alone and, and, and appeased the purest that in the sport and still lost viewership because people would have gotten tired of it and would have not, you know, and and uh, the interest would would have would have gone away. I think they tried to do what they wanted to to create interest in it and kind of spice it up some because you know even even before the uh, even before the uh, chase came, it uh, people were losing a little bit of interest in how the championship went uh, went down. So uh, yeah, it's it's a hard thing to say. You talk you can talk to a hundred different people and you'll get uh, it, it'll you'll get a fifty fifty split on whether people like it or, or, or don't, but uh, uh, it's created some uh, interesting things over the years. Uh, I think, I think NASCAR's issues that we've talked about a lot uh, are, are far more deeper than just the, the, the chase, whether people like it or not, there's, there's, there's more going on than just that. But uh, I think if you, if you really like racing, you're going to continue to watch. And if you like drama and, you got it this weekend because you did, you know, up until the last restart, you did not know who was going to come away with the championship. And really it wasn't, it really, you really didn't get a feeling of who was going to win it until right there with about five laps to go. And Joey Logano had pulled out to a second and a half lead over second place that you felt somewhat secure that Logano was probably going to secure the championship. So yeah, I, I think it did what it did, what they wanted it to do. It created drama right down to the end. Yeah, we'll just have to see what the next steps are for NASCAR. I know there's, uh, you know, they had a press conference the other the other day about the you know, the future state of the series. They're looking at uh, actually, uh, uh, you know, bringing the um, the uh, some of the tracks under the NASCAR banner. There, you know, the ISC is it the ISC tracks or the SMI tracks? ISC. ISC. They're bringing the ISC tracks or NASCAR. But they've also talked about cross promoting with the with the short tracks. You know, they acquired ARCA. Recently, they've talked about, you know, very briefly about cross promoting with IndyCar. So we'll just have to see what the future brings. But um, uh, but let's talk about real quick. A couple guys 
uh, could be their last cup race or their last full-time cup race anyway. Uh, uh, end of the end of the line for um, uh, Jamie McMurray, Almondinger. They're saying this is probably Kansas' last race. So, uh, uh, you know, a couple couple guys out the door that have had pretty good careers, huh, Seth? Well, for definitely, and Kenseth, uh, it seemed like it was a return to form for him, surprisingly, in what is his essentially his final race. Uh, he ran in the top 10 off and on throughout the entire night, ended up finishing sixth. Uh, you have Almendinger and McMurray. They finished 18th and 19th. They really, it kind of sums up their career to a certain point. McMurray, he would win the big races, Daytona 500, Coke 600, Brickyard, but he never won anywhere else. He never ran well anywhere else. It was just the big races, the majors for him. Almondinger, a lot of people like to stereotype him as the uh, road course ringer, but he had good runs when he was with Penske at Martinsville, at Bristol, at Kansas. He had good runs at times with James Finch in an underfunded car at tracks like Michigan. So for him, it's kind of a disappointment with where he ended up and where he is in his career. McMurray looks like he'll run the Daytona 500 for Ganassi next year. Almondinger, he has some offers in IMSA. You also have Kenseth, who has an offer to take a leadership role in the company at Roush. And somebody else, which he didn't mention, Regan Smith, the super sub uh, of the Cup Series. This was likely... For now, his last race, he's still subbing for Casey Kane, who had to step away because of health issues. His weekend was just atrocious, um, to say the least. They had an oil leak during the parade laps, ended up losing 26 laps, and they were never able to recover. He earned his first career last place finish, uh, and it was Levine Family Racing's last race, with Chevrolet, they're moving on to Toyota next year, bringing in Matty Bandetto. So it was just an embarrassing race for them. Well, it happens from time to time. Things like that, things like that happen. And, um, you know, uh, back touching on uh, AJ, AJ still re- relatively young. I think AJ, I don't think we've seen the last of AJ Allmendinger in, in, a, in a cup car. I think he'll, he'll surface uh, down the road somewhere. Uh, we might, he could even, uh, probably end up back in IndyCar. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of folks in IndyCar that would love to see AJ back yeah. in there. I just, I just don't know that there's a seat for him right now. No, that, that, right or now, if he wants, seat, or if he wants to go there because or if he wants to, yeah. I mean, he's after the, uh, Justin Wilson incident, he kind of, you know, kind of said, you know, until they close the cockpit, but yeah. uh, you know, I don't know if the, the, the windscreen they're testing may change his mind or not. I don't know, but I, the guy was pretty solid in the IndyCar. I remember him, mm-hmm. you know, back in the champ car days winning, uh, I think he had a little three in a row or two in a row uh, stretch uh, uh, back in the day, many years ago. And, and when I, he uh, it w- had his little <laughs> exile from uh, NASCAR, you know, Roger put him in the 500, mm-hmm. um, you know, when he failed the, um, you know, failed the drug test and he, he did, you know, he, he held himself up well there. So, but we'll just see what the future holds for AJ. So, um, but I do want to talk about NASCAR crowned two other champions this week, this week, other than, um, Joey. So, uh, so Seth, uh, let's talk about first Tyler Reddick. Tyler Reddick. He was the underdog for the Xfinity series. And, uh, basically the Xfinity series, it was a green flag race. Uh, the only cautions were the, for the end of the stages, and it was Cole Custer's race to lose. Cole Custer dominated this race last year. He was dominating this race this year. Uh, between last year and this year, Cole Custer has led 300 of the last 400 laps at Homestead in the Xfinity Series, which is just a mind-boggling stat alone. But he was out front in the final stage, Came down to pitch strategy. Reddick was the second one on pit road right behind Christopher Bell. Cole Custer and his team, they decided to wait out for a caution. I don't know what they were thinking after a handful of laps because it was clear that there was none coming. And by the time he got back on track, it it was a race between Reddick and Bell. 
and Bell ultimately ended up with a flat right rear tire, had to come to pit road. Cole Custer was able to climb from about 12th all the way up to second, but he just did not have enough time to catch Reddick. And it's like you were saying about drivers needing a little bit more seasoning. Uh, Stuart Haas Racing has said that they're keeping Cole Custer in the Xfinity Series for a third season to give him that extra seasoning. And just a little preview to next year already. Tony Stewart post-race, because they won the owner's championship. It was the only split championship among the three series this year. Uh, Tony Stewart confirmed that they will have a second car full-time next year in the Xfinity Series. He didn't mention a driver, but all signs point to Chase Briscoe. Yeah, Chase Briscoe is a a favorite of Ford. So, yeah, and and after his win at the Roval in – in Charlotte, and then he's, you know, he's been kind of Ford's go-to guy in some of the other series that they're involved in, too, and they they put uh, Chase in, in, in various rides. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that Ford probably had a lot to do in, with uh, underwriting that, and that's and that's good for the Xfinity Series in that, you know, word came down last week that uh, more than likely uh, Roush is going to shutter his Xfinity operations they, in the, in the they 60. Did. They did confirm they're shutting the 60 down. Right, and the 16 is going to go if they can't uh, secure sponsorship. So, uh, you know, we could we could see, a, you know, uh, a net loss of, of, of one uh, competitive uh, uh, car in that series with, uh, with, with if that uh, comes to fruition there. So uh, um, that'll be good. And then, too, Tyler Reddick is, is going to move over to uh, RCR. He's going to take on take the uh, spot that uh, uh, Daniel Hemrick is giving up, moving up into the Cup 31 car. And of course, uh, Daniel Hemrick finished third uh, in the uh, in the Xfinity Championship. That he did, and Hemrick unfortunately was kind of out to lunch the entire race. It it seemed like it was a race between Reddick, Custer, and Bell. Hemrick never got up to the lead. He never got into the lead of the championship four in that series. Even John Hunter Nemechek, who was also running the 42 car for the owner's championship, because in the owner's uh, playoff, the 42 was in, not the nine. And it was just disappointing for Hemrick. Yeah. For a while there, it seemed like the 42 may be the spoiler uh, in the Xfinity race, you know, because he ran uh, in the top five uh, uh, most of the night. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, a little bit disappointing for for the 21 car, Hemrick's 21 car. They really never had the speed to contend with the uh, with the uh, 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 with with Bell and uh, in the double zero. So. uh, and just and, and uh, Reddick, for that matter. And just a couple notes on Reddick. Uh, he's the first driver in the Xfinity Series history to win only the first race of the season and the last race of the season. And he's also the first one just to accomplish that feat alone. And just an interesting note about uh, Junior Motorsports, their three drivers' championships have all come with the rookies driving the number nine car. Chase Elliott in 2014, William Byron last year and Tyler Reck this year. How about that? And it, and it always seems they win the championship and then they move on. <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking of winning the championship and not moving on, let's talk about Brett Moffitt, man. He's uh, this guy, uh, you know, he, he drives for Shigaki Hattori. Um, and the, the team has been plagued with, uh, you know, financial problems on and off uh, that they 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 put all the naysayers down. Moffitt wins the title, but no solid plans for next year. For Moffitt, anyway. Uh, for Moffitt, anyway. Yeah. What, what about, say, what about uh, Hattori Ford, Racing? Are they? Are there's, they... there's talk of a couple different drivers, each that have funding. And the way it's been made out to me, uh, we might see someone who recently ran in the ARCA series full-time run the 16 next year. Uh, otherwise, Brett Moffat dominated that race 
Uh, it was essentially between Moffat and Noah Gregson. Haley was Justin Haley was up there at times. Johnny Sauter, for whatever reason, the last three weeks since he last won at Martinsville, the last three weeks, his team has been out to lunch, and that's so unlike GMS Racing in general. It was weird to see Sauter have issues constantly. Haley also, he wasn't as much out to lunch, but he just never had the same speed that the two Toyotas had, which granted, they were all running the T, the uh, NT1 spec engine. The only truck in the field that was not running a spec engine was Matt Crafton, and they were running the Ford OEM engine. Okay, so uh, but nothing, nothing solid for um for the champion for next year, huh? Nothing as of yet. Uh, he doesn't have a full time sponsor. Shiggy, he has about eight to ten races with Eisen Group. He has about another two to three races with the various Toyota car dealerships over in Japan. Otherwise, the rest of the sponsorship, like I alluded to, is going to be coming from that other driver. Yeah, so he's looking for for a pay-to-play driver, yeah. It's kind of funny. You know, Shiggy, <laughs> uh, he's uh, he's well-known in um, IndyCar circles as the... Uh, the one driver to have his cart license suspended because he was so bad as a driver. But, um, <laughs> you know, good, good to see him doing well as a team owner, you know, and congratulate that team because they have had a tough go of it this season and, and they really stuck with it. And for them to bring this thing home was pretty incredible. Yeah. There were a couple races this season. Uh, Iowa comes to mind where, uh, up to a week, if not less, uh, beforehand they didn't have sponsorship to go and race and they were considering skipping races uh iowa brett moffitt's father his company sponsored the truck and he went out and won that race uh talladega they had a sponsor lined up until two days before the race and then the sponsor pulled out and at that point they were committed at running they were already in the playoffs so they put the american red cross on the truck and uh donated the winnings to the American Red Cross. Fantastic, yeah. So, But now, as long as we're talking about trucks and Xfinity, and we talked about guys who are wrapping up their careers, uh, we would be remiss if we did not mention Elliot Sadler, um, who's had a nice, long career. Um, you know, guy out of Virginia. I was living in Virginia when, uh, uh, you know, when his older brother, Hermie, was... Uh, touted as uh, maybe the next big thing in NASCAR. Then Elliot came along and proved to be even better. But uh, Elliot Sadler wrapping up a nice career, um, wanting to spend more time with the family, um, you know, couldn't quite uh, get into that Final Four and get it done. But um, kind of an end of an era there, too. Now, Gray, uh, you've, you've, um, you've, you've probably uh, dealt with Elliot Sadler on and off. Elliot comes from Emporia, Virginia, which is about uh... – 12 miles from where I grew up in, in, in the northern part of North Carolina. So, yeah, I'm, I've known, uh, known the, the uh, Sadler family for a long, long time. Uh, this, his family was, uh, was well involved in, in, when I was a kid in, in local racing in northeastern North Carolina and southeastern Virginia. They sponsored, uh, in fact, they fielded, uh, his dad fielded late model cars, uh, back when I was a kid at our local track. So, yeah, Sadler's uh, have been involved in, in racing a long time. Elliot uh, has had a great career. He's won in all three major series, and that in itself is, is quite an achievement. He'll join a list of uh, – a rather exclusive list of drivers that have done that. About so, yeah, 30. Yeah, about 30, but still, still, a, still a good list to be on and having won in all three major uh, NASCAR touring series. So, yeah, good career for, uh, for Elliott. He's, he's uh, the good thing about it. He's retiring on his own terms, uh, and which is always good. He's, he's going out, wants to do some other stuff. Uh, I, I don't think we've probably seen the last of, uh, of Elliott as far as uh, being around the racetrack. I think he'll probably, they'll, uh, we'll get, We'll see him do a little bit of media work uh, yeah. down the road, too, I would imagine. And uh, Elliot did actually tweet out. Granted, he deleted the tweet because apparently he uh, let the news out a little too soon. But he was getting fitted for a seat to run a late mall race at Myrtle Beach. And he was also talking about 
that his teammate in that race, his junior motorsports team owner, Dale Jr. <laughs> yep, the North-South race down at Myrtle Beach. I saw that, yep. Yep, saw that too. So now let's, uh, you know, tie up the NASCAR season with a bow. Um, and let's talk about this, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the the Macau uh, Grand Prix. Uh, you know, it's one of the, the most dangerous, the tightest uh, street circuits in the world. There was a pretty crazy accident uh, there that happened at about three in the morning our time. I was actually I, I was wide wide away because I had uh, worked worked the, the night shift at, and I got a a little messenger on my message from uh from our friend Krista Hardy. He says, "Wow, did you see that?" I said, "No, I didn't. So I had to look it up." But uh, um, Sophia Flores' um, car left the track. Uh, it looked like it was launched out of a cannon straight through the straight through the catch fencing and into the bunker that's there for the photographers. Um, uh, miraculously, she survived. Um, she has a spinal injury. She went underwent surgery today. Um, the the outlook is rather optimistic that she won't uh, um, face paralysis. But um, now, Richard, uh, mm-hmm. you, fo- you follow Formula. Um, you know, Formula Three and uh, European racing quite a bit. Uh, I yep. mean, what are your thoughts on this? This was just—it uh, it, was—it's absolutely unreal to watch. Yeah, I mean, firstly, Macau is a dangerous race. Um, you know, period. Um, it, recently, in the last three or four years, I can I think of a, a couple of previous fatal accidents. Unfortunately, one in the cause they have three races there the weekend. They have a touring car race, the Formula Three. And they also have a bike race. And I think a couple of years ago, one of the uh, bike riders was killed. And then a few years before that, in actually a relatively innocuous accident, one of the touring car drivers was killed. So it's, it is a dangerous, dangerous circuit. Um, you, it, it's almost, I guess, a little bit like the circuit they have out in Azerbaijan. You know, a lot of very twisty circuits, twisty sections, and then a couple of you know, really long, high-speed drags um, you know, on the shoreline there in, in Macau. I mean, I, I was in a similar position. I wasn't watching the race, but then I, I did catch the highlights of it and saw the accident. And as you say, it was a horrific accident. And for um, for her to be even coming out of it alive, never mind what would appear to be with relatively minor injuries. I think the thing that has saved her ultimately is the um, the, the photographer's stand that she hit. Uh, there was a sort of an aperture in there. Uh, sorry, no pun intended there about the camera. That's good as that. Pretty funny. That was that was pretty good, wasn't it? I, I mean, I wish I had thought of that one because that was quite impressive. No, there was an opening in the uh, photographer stand for the uh, for, you know for the for the lenses and everything. And w- without being a hundred percent, it looks like her head has actually gone into that gap, and that is what has ultimately saved her and, life. And uh, uh, just something that I was reading. They added that stand this year. It was originally just a scaffolding last year in that corner. Yeah. I mean, yeah, goodness me, you'd have dread to think what would have happened if that hadn't been there. I mean, she could have ended up in you know, literally somebody's front room. Um, yeah, well, I mean, can you imagine if there was a grandstand right there? Oh, and uh, you're talking, you know, Le Mans yeah. 1955. That would, that would have been oh, horrific. She was clocked at going 276.2 kilometers per hour when she hit the stand, that equates to about 171 miles per hour. Yeah. Uh, looking back uh, all the way, you have to go back to a different camera angle to see what even caused it. Contact with another car, yeah. severed the brake line. She spun backward into the wall and slid along it, hit one of the sausage curbs, which is also new this year, which launched her up into a, the roll hoop and the helmet of another driver who thank god he's okay too granted he had some back pain issues but that could have been a lot worse and that's what launched her up and over the catch fencing i mean i think i think what it does in a way show um from a a technical standpoint i guess if you want to you want to put it put it that way how effective the braking systems on these cars are you know you you've gone you know, in the space of probably 200 yards, you know, from when she would have been applying the brakes, you know, she had basically no retardation whatsoever. And, you know, it shows just how effective they are when they do brake. 
uh, you know, you, you compare the speed a car would be going, um, you know, without without stopping. I mean, they'd, they'd obviously she'd have scrubbed a little bit of speed, but but relatively little. Um, it, it's pretty scary, and it, it does show just how impressive the braking you know ability of even a Formula Three car. I mean, you know, goodness me, the and, you know, never mind a Formula One car. And something that we would all be remiss if we didn't mention uh two photographers and a corner marshal were also injured in the wreck uh or in the incident and the two photographers one is scheduled to be released from the hospital in about two or three days uh he suffered a broken jaw uh some facial uh essentially uh scratches and scarring and the other photographer suffered suffered a lacerated liver. Uh, he's going to be in the hospital for, uh, I think it said two weeks. The marshal, he had some uh, abdominal injuries. I'm not entirely sure exactly what his injuries were. Uh, Sophia, she went underwent a 11-hour surgery that was deemed successful. And as Frank said, uh, there's no, there's little to no concern about paralysis. And she's even tweeted out since then, vowing to return to the race car. Can you imagine being one of those photographers sitting in that little bunker? There's no place to go, and that car is coming right at you. Uh, you I doubt you'd even uh, see it. So the uh, that's got to be hard. Yeah, I mean, or yeah, it's like it's, uh, you know. But again, you know. You know, 20 years ago, I mean, you know, you remember when guys used to get launched out of the track in Monaco and, and land in the harbor? Yeah, that but that crash was, you know, that was just by the grace of God go I. I mean, that's exactly, what, yeah. That and was, you wouldn't have had time to react if you'd have been standing right in the path of it. You would have, I mean, it'd have been all over. And just one more note granted, it was a temporary building, but it was anchored in place, God forbid anything. Uh, the impact broke the foundation. Oh, I mean, it was immense. You know, it, again, it, you know, it highlights the energy that these cars have and uh, and, and what goes, you know, the, the power that they can generate. It's, uh, you know, unfortunately, you, you know, you only sometimes really, you know, when you when you actually look at these cars, you know, driving around the circuit and, you know, cup cars are, are a prime example of it. They look relatively slow. It's just when you compare them to a stationary object, Especially yeah. when they hit one, and that you realize quite how much power there is involved in there. Especially when they leave the ground and get in the air, and there's oh, nothing, yeah. you know, that you don't the have stop. The, yeah. the, the, you don't have the scrub of the tires on the asphalt or whatnot to slow them down. I mean, they're literally become like airplanes. Then they're just, you know, they're, they're just flying through the air at, at at what. I forget what speed they estimated that call, 264 kilometers? 276. 276 170, kilometers. 170 miles an hour, roughly, wasn't it? Wow, yeah. Um, and, and, nothing, and nothing to scrub speed off, you know? And something that I do also want to mention, uh, the broadcast cut away from it and didn't really show the uh, severity of the impact. The only way we've been able to see it is essentially the fans and their cell phone cameras or even the some of the amateur photographers with their video cameras somebody put a compilation of all the different angles just showing the severity and putting it into perspective i retweeted it out earlier in the week so if anybody wants to catch that uh my handle is motorsport rev just go and check it out it's insane how quickly that car went into that bunker mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's nuts yeah so uh on a related note speaking of drivers with spinal injuries uh robert wickens uh tweeted out some some news today or, or earlier this week rather uh where he's uh actually taking some steps on a gate machine um so his uh his road recovery while slow is progressing so um you know we hope to see robert wickens back in a race car again and uh, you know but he's you know still estimating 
at least 24 months, you know, until, until then, uh, Marcus Erickson will be in the car. I don't know if he'll be in there for, for the full two years, but, uh, but, uh, Wickens has been active on social media, uh, letting folks know, uh, the updates on his recovery. He seems to be in really good spirits and we wish him well. And we also wish, you know, wish, uh, Sophia Flores well, um, in her recovery. She, uh, had tweeted out that her surgery went well today. So, uh, but before we uh, finish up for the night, uh, Formula One has one more race to go at Yaz Marina. Nothing to be decided there, but it's going to be the final race for Kimi Raikkonen in a Ferrari. The final race for Fernando Alonso in Formula One, unless he changes his mind. <laughs> and, um, you know, last race of the season. So, Richard, what might we expect to see at Yaz Marina? Um Next weekend, or this coming weekend, rather. Uh, I think you're going to see something that resembles paint drying. Uh, it's never, <laughs> a, it's never a particularly good race out there. It's, it's, uh, you know, the typical Tilka track. It's, it's terrible. Um, you know, you get the odd good battle every now and again, but you know, everybody's going to be wanting to go home. Uh, probably the most of the attention, the most interesting thing is going to be the. Uh, test the following week uh, they have out there, but no, it's it's going to be a little bit of a non-event. I fear, um, you know, the, you know, this, you know these these sort of dead rubber races, if you like, towards the end of the season. Uh, you know, I mean, Brazil was pretty entertaining, but Brazil's a far better track to to have a race like that at than uh, than Abu Dhabi. Um, so yeah, you know, obviously there's going to be, you know, probably probably in a way for Alonso it helps a little bit that they don't have, uh, you know, the, the title isn't going to be there, and uh, you know he can get a little bit more of the limelight. I'm sure, I'm sure for um, uh, for, for for his final race, but um, yeah, there's, there's going to be a lot of posturing, I think, and and I think uh, you know people are just wanting to get get the season over and done with and, and look forward to next year. Do you feel like Formula One season is too long at twenty races? I don't. No, I don't think it's too long. I just think that it's just an unfortunate set of circumstances. I mean, if you know, if there was one point in it between two guys, you know, everybody would be talking about this race as being fantastic. I think that uh, you know, it's just unfortunate in a way that Ferrari sort of let the you know dropped the ball a little bit in the second half of the season. There, I think. Uh, you know, you can have as many races as you, as you like if the if the racing's tight and uh, you know teams are pushing each other. Yeah, it just, it just seems like it's been a number of years since. What was the last time we had a Formula One championship go down to the last race? It's been a, a uh, bit, right? It was when Rosberg Two, oh, beat. Oh, se- uh, no, it was when Rosberg beat. Hamilton, that was the last race of the season. Oh, so that was, yeah, that was two years ago, yeah. But before that, it was, what, 07 with Kimi? And no, uh, Vettel won his first championship at the last race of the season when Alonso couldn't get past um, Petrov. So there's been a couple there, but yeah, you, you're right. It's not been, I, I don't think Vettel won any other, I think he only won one championship at the last race of the season. I may be wrong there. But uh, on the uh, whole, I just yeah. The last really exciting one, you know, for me was 07 with Kimi, where, you know, you'd really... You know, Kimmy came out of nowhere. He was the third place guy. You know. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, even Vettel was. You know, Vettel when he he won his championship, I don't think he was leading. Going no, because Alonso had to finish like fourth or fifth or something to get the championship, and ended up finishing seventh. So uh, you know that that was a pretty tight, you know, pretty tight event. It was just again. I mean, if that if that final race had been at a. You know, but uh, you know, Brazil or a you know, uh, you know, a Spa or somewhere like that or a Silverstone. I'm sure Alonso would have got past Petrov. It was just that it was a you know this point and squirt track like uh, Abu Dhabi that it just just didn't work. That killed the championship in many ways. And it's a shame. You know, I know why they go there for the final race of the season. It's all the money from from the companies and sponsors that want to be out be out in Abu Dhabi, but. Um, as a as a track and as an event, it's pretty um, pretty non pretty much of a non-event, really. Yeah, you know they and they say the same thing about IndyCar with the season ender at Sonoma. You know they, they like to call it Snornoma. You know, yeah. But um, but, uh, but at least at least we've had the, the you know the the title race go down to you know the title fight go down to the last race. So, but anyway, so Lewis Hamilton is um, joining Rare Company. Uh, finishing up this season, uh, I mean, his win total has him. Is he 
third all time now. He must be getting up there, yeah. I mean, he's. I think he's won. Is it? Has he won like half? Is it? Yeah, he's won half of the races under the high under the hybrid turbo era. I mean, it's it's pretty impressive. You've got to give the guy credit. You uh, certainly you know, do, he, yeah. So he, you know, you, you look. At, it's, it's interesting in a way. You you contrast Alonso and Hamilton. You know, Hamilton made that move from McLaren to Mercedes, and everybody criticised him. And look what happened. You know, Alonso seems to have made all the big moves, you know, to Ferrari, to, or to, Mercedes, to McLaren when he was at Renault, then to Ferrari, then back to Mercedes. All these big, big money moves that everybody says, oh, you know, this is going to be the resurgence of that team. And it's always gone the wrong way. Um, so it, it's interesting to compare and contrast those. I mean, some people would argue that Alonso is potentially the more naturally gifted driver than Hamilton. But he's just been in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um you know, so so it's uh, you know it's, it's interesting to say to do that comparison between those two guys. Absolutely, yeah. And I just wonder what what Alonso has on his plate for next year, other than the Indy 500. But there yeah, there, there are some speculation. They said he's got a full plate of racing schedule for next year. So, I, so I'm sure he's doing WEC. But yeah. I don't know what else he's going to jump into. You know, he's he's gonna he's doing the the little NASCAR swap thing. I don't think we'll see him in a Cup race. Uh, but um, and maybe he'll do the Indy Grand Prix as well as the 500. I don't know. It's whatever McLaren wants to do. But uh, they say he's got a full slate of racing for next year. But we don't know what. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see that whole. Uh, where are they? Where are they doing the swap? Is it Bahrain that they're driving when they do the swap? I can't remember now. It's not Abu Dhabi. I know that much. Seth, you know that. Uh, they're doing it. I believe the day after, actually. In Abu Dhabi, because I know yeah. so the race is Sunday, and then I think Tuesday, Wednesday is the tire test or young driver test. So maybe they're doing it in between there. Then yeah, okay. I think they're doing it on the Monday in between. Okay, so I mean that'll obviously, I mean you know that'll obviously be a road course car that Hendrick is sending over for him to to jump in. Um, so yeah, I, mean, I guess I, mean, that, yeah, I guess that means that actually a long enough for the F1 cars to get around. And I can't imagine with an yeah. NASCAR car. I wonder how they get out like there, yeah. Actually, get it out pit lane, and they'll, they'll probably use the um, secondary because Abu Dhabi's got two pit lanes, so they'll probably use the secondary one. But I guess that'll mean technically that Alonso will actually be the last guy to drive a Hendrick car with a Lowe's livery on it. Wow, there's a bit of trivia. In 20 years' time, there's a bit of trivia for you, Seth. You can drag that. You can pull that out. <laughs> You don't, you don't have to give me any royalties for that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we're, uh, we're up against the clock here. We've just got a few minutes left. Um, next week uh, will be our season-ending show. We'll uh, recap the uh, paint drying from, uh, from Yas Marina. And then uh, we'll have a two-hour show where we recap all of, um, all of the you know, 2018 season and bring up all of our favorite stories. We'll have a couple of uh, special guests as well. Uh, but until then, uh, you guys have each have uh, a few moments of peace for one final thought, because heck, we don't need to pick a winner unless you want to pick a winner for Abu Dhabi, unless you just want to say Hamilton. So great final thought for the night. Well, final thoughts, uh, pretty good, interesting race season all across the board. Uh, and all three series that we we uh, cover uh, had its up like every like every other season. You know, it has its ups and downs and, and things during the middle, but during the middle of the season. But I thought uh, very very interesting at times in all three series. We had something that had some some good stories and some good things to talk about. Some and a few tragic things go go uh, go during during the season. But uh, all in all, uh, another good season in the books, and I uh, look forward to. Uh, Doing it all again next year. All right. And Seth, one final thought for the night? Honestly, the same as what Gray said. Uh, I mean, it was just a very interesting season. I'm still interested to see exactly what's going to happen with the Fords uh, switching over to the Mustang and the new Arrow package. While everyone thinks the big three is still going to be the big three or the big teams are still going to be the big teams, I think we'll have a little bit more variety, especially with go uh, with the uh, Levine family racing switching and essentially taking Furniture Racing's place. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. And Richard, one final thought from you before we start. Yeah, off. I mean, it, you know, obviously the Formula One still got one race to go, but from that standpoint. 
there's been glimpses of what everybody wants to see in Formula One. There's been glimpses of close racing and glimpses of, you know, Hamilton against, uh, you know, Verstappen and Vettel and, you know, literally, you know, turning on the race on Sunday, mo- you know, Sunday morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are in the world and not knowing who's going to win. Um, that's all you can ask for in Formula One. And there's been glimpses of it this year. And, uh, you know, we really hope that uh, coming through into... Uh, into next year we can contain that momentum and uh, it is a uh, you know open to anybody's guess really yes it is it'll be nice if because uh, <laughs> you know every time we thought that it could be anybody's race mercedes won pretty so, much yeah pretty much yeah there was so, that spell uh, in the middle of the season where you know there was four or five races in a row where the the fastest car didn't win but then after that you know mercedes sort was... of got their act together and uh I mean, you know, look at, I think Vettel won Silverstone when Hamilton had by far the fastest car. So, you know, it, it comes and goes. But, uh, yeah, you hope that they can, uh, you know, get her act together and, uh, you know, it'll be a close season next year. All right. Well, we are just about out of time. So I want to thank you, Gray, Seth, and Richard. I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network. I want to thank iHeartRadio. And I also want to thank Spotify, where you can find our show now. Um, uh, we'll, we'll have one more show this season. We'll talk to y'all next week. Good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.